Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Rizu. Hello. Last week, we talked about episodes 7 and 8 of SG-1 Season 3, where we met fan favorite Aris Bach and dealt with some religious zealots, per usual. And today we're going to be talking about episodes 9, 10, and 11 of season 3, Rules of Engagement, Forever in a Day, and Past and Present. Rules of Engagement premiered on August 19th, 1999. It was written by Terry Curtis Fox and directed by William Garrity. Forever in a Day premiered on October 8th, 1999. It was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Peter DeLuise. Past and Present premiered on October 15th, 1999. It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by William Garrity. So we're getting lots of Apophis-related content and complicated love content. Arsu, would you please summarize? So the first episode, Rules of Engagement, has them ending up on another planet where a group of soldiers are participating in what I call paintball bro culture, but which is actually much more sinister. They are essentially locked in a war game. To what end? We will discover. Forever in a Day is, I think, the culmination of what we have been building too because we see Sheree again for the last time. Um, mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, yeah. flashbacks are a thing, but the last time yeah. where she is the quote unquote focus, but I do have feelings about that. And then past and present, they find a world with people who cannot remember their recent past or any of their and, past or any of their past. Yeah. Well, I mean, they remember some past. They have like the use of language and they know not to like go to the bathroom on themselves so i assume they remember up to a point well i mean that's more like remembering how to do things functionally and remembering like you're right but that's still something somebody has to teach you yeah so when it's like i forgot everything it's like but you still have like okay you still know what sleeves are and can put your shirt (laughs) on so you forget everything and one of them is possibly somebody we've seen before I say yeah. this because they're all acting like I should know who this person is and I have no memory. <laughs> what? None at all. It wasn't that long ago. It was in season two. No memory of this whatsoever. So oh, I boy. that it's like somebody we've seen before because they're acting like it should be, but I'm like, I don't know who this is, but okay. So oh boy. For those listening, you should know that for my job. I have to consume a lot of media so things don't stick the way they used to. <laughs> well, like we haven't seen that. Don't stick. We haven't seen that particular actress before, but we've seen the character before. Right, but like the the concept. Okay. So, well, concept don't stick unless we get there. Okay. But we'll we'll get there. Yeah. So let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote this is Colonel Neil. He is much loved by Apophis. And your guess was that Teal'c is saying this to a new Gwawuld that they're trying to convince to trust Jack. And uh, you're I right that it's pretty Teal'c. bang on. You're pretty close. Technically not convincing a Gwawuld, but convince, convincing Jaffa, basically, you know. Gwawuld adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty close. Okay, so this first episode, we discover that there is a group of people well men i should say they're all men training to be apophis's personal guard and so they have 
basically half the group pretending to be members of the SGC and the other half being kind of normal Jaffa with their normal setup and playing war games in order to prove their might to Apophis. I feel like one of the most interesting things about this was that they're not actually Jaffa because none of them have the, the pouch and the primta. Right. They're all humans. And so it's kind of introducing for the first time that the Gwold do actually use humans as soldiers, not only as slaves. I mean, it's a form of slavery, but not as like, you know, mining or whatever. Yeah, I thought I thought that was an interesting like approach because we're so used to seeing the gold like kind of they go to a field in Vancouver and they take yeah. over the local population and they are put to menial labor like mining or farming or yeah what whatever other purpose or like human farming or whatever it is that they want them for but this time it's like they are more aware of the command structure and how things work and they're like fighting for a place within it as opposed to just yeah being subjugated so i thought that was right. like it's different yeah yeah it's it's interesting and it almost makes me wonder what the ho their home worlds were like you know in order to come from a place where they know who the gold are they believe that they're really gods and were some, some of them from earth though no they're pretending to be they're pretending to be right 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 right, right. Because I feel like there are some planets that we've seen that have had more of an awareness of, you know, the gold are subjugating us or have subjugated us in the past, but we don't worship them as opposed to planets like Chulak, where the people there are actually worshiping Apophis as a god. You know? Yeah, so they're, they're probably from somewhere like that. Yeah, it might it might too be that because they are in this privileged position of fighting to be one of his guards, that they have kind of like a level of access that most people that the Gwold subjugate don't have. Yeah, so they're more inclined to think well of them or of Apophis because they have that access. Yeah, interesting to see, you know, how different humans on different planets can be used in various ways by the gold they're not all used for the same purpose same end goal it's funny this um these three episode loop i don't know if this was the intent in, in putting them all together but one of the commonalities is like okay we're done with that idea let's let's yeah. move on to something new <laughs> like yeah. we're done with the idea of them just being you know enslaved in a certain way and let's explore right. what else that could be that almost makes me wonder, because normally in the past when we've seen Gwold come and take humans from a planet and, you know, take them back to wherever they're going, we've always assumed that they're taking them to be hosts. But maybe they're not always. Maybe sometimes they're taken to be soldiers. Or... Well, because didn't we have a conversation like last week or the week before or something where we were mm -hmm. saying that, like, the number of people they go through yeah. is disproportionate to how often they would need a host? Yes, so maybe this is this is part of that reason, like for other things. Right. They don't they're not always used as hosts, they're sometimes used as soldiers or maybe even just servants in palaces, you yeah. know, what have you. Yeah, because they already know what's up, right? So Yeah. Could be. Yeah.
I feel like that makes it make more sense, actually. Like, <laughs> see, it's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for this episode. <laughs> it makes see so, yeah. some stuff up for us. Yeah. <laughs> Just as my requisite Richard Dean Anderson comment for the week. Um, when one of the soldiers is disrespectful and he's like, Colonel is the right way to address me. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that. I like that very much. I just want to put that out there. On a similar note, Teal'c <laughs> really enjoyed being called Master Teal'c. Oh, 100%. He was just <laughs> living his best life. Oh, yeah. He was like, back. this is back to being one of the good parts of first prime you know like being able to give <laughs> like orders to it. people yeah because it's like you know on earth he's respected by sg1 and by general hammond but he doesn't have any position of authority really and you know outside of his immediate work group he's not necessarily respected as much like what you see with like colonel mayborn who is kind of tangentially involved in the Stargate program, but not there on a regular basis, obviously has zero respect for Teal'c, you know. And so this is like going back to an old haunt and being like, oh, hey, I get to be in charge again. It's really nice to like be respected by everyone, you know, and not just my friends. Yeah. I feel like it's times like this where we don't realize how much of an adjustment the SGC must have been for him. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like we don't fully appreciate that, but Uh yeah, that's a huge adjustment. And then, like, jumping forward slightly to the next episode when, like, Daniel walks in on Teal'c meditating, which was, like, rude. But anyway, (laughs) thinking about how he lives permanently on the base, whereas everybody else has a house or an apartment outside the base. and They could go to if they wanted. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they generally spend their off time in their actual homes just you know (laughs) how much off time they actually have variable per week but you know teal he can't go anywhere like he has this very bland room with you know a bed and a dresser and candles basically and that's it really does beg the question why one of them doesn't just take teal home with them right and be roomies put a hat on and it's fine yeah so yeah i don't know maybe i'm not sure if it's like they never thought about it or it wasn't no that tracks for that tracks for all of sg1 they just didn't think about it maybe they figured that there are homes so little anyway that it wouldn't have made much difference i don't know but i I really does he doesn't ever get a chance to like go outside yeah i mean they will eventually like have earth-based missions that they go on that he gets to leave the base but they but, don't know I mean, they don't know that they have six more seasons right and like even just like being able to go out to your favorite bar or cafe or restaurant you know like when he doesn't get to, to meet a lady yeah he doesn't get to make these like core memories of living on earth it, you know, it's like so when it's like when he does go out on various missions, it's still so alien to him because he's not allowed to interact with it on a regular basis. Basically, the SGC needs to let him out a little more. 
and one of his team needs to take him home. Yeah. Like, they all have houses full of stuff. Uh Nobody's married. Nobody has a roommate. Like, Tilt can be your roommate. Yeah. I guess you could argue that Daniel might only have a one-bedroom apartment, but uh, Jack definitely has a house, which we've seen. Yeah. And... Sam, we do eventually see her house later on, and it's not tiny. I mean, it's not huge, but it's not tiny. She probably has more than one bedroom, so. I mean, I feel like Daniel also has more than one bedroom, and I feel like he uses one of them as an office. But also, like, Daniel's wife doesn't live with him because he forgot he has one. So, um, (laughs) Tilt can just go stay in the office. Yeah, basically, Tilt just needs better treatment. I don't know. Unless maybe... Unless maybe... We have the headcanon of he spends his weekends going to visit his wife and son on the Land of Light. Sure, but that's not where he spends his weekdays. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know. Or maybe like, like, I don't think they work like a nine to five, 40 hours a week kind of deal. But yeah. So just assuming that the concept of like shore leave. Right. Even if he spends his shore leave at home. Everybody else goes home at the end of the day. Yeah. He doesn't. They could take him with them. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, hashtag justice for Teal. Exactly. So towards the beginning of this episode, Daniel gets called Four Eyes, and he was real mad. And (laughs) I feel like in his mind, he was probably thinking, like, I've bulked up. I am not going to be called four eyes anymore you know (laughs) i was was gonna say daniel you're an adult man in the year 2000 like there is no way you grew up not being called four eyes yeah but he's tired of it he doesn't want to deal with that anymore well then he should stop being such a four eyes (laughs) i say as i wear optional glasses you are wearing glasses right now i am wearing glasses I wear, but I'm wearing glasses I don't technically need. They're just screen glasses. Well, I need mine. So you're gonna call me four eyes? Hmm. I can't. I can now because I am also a four eyes. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, <laughs> Ours is rude. <laughs> this is not news. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's mostly Daniel because he ex- exudes four eyes energy. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's not a it, it's not something you can define. It's like a lifestyle. Do I have four eyes energy? No. Okay. Well, Daniel I guess so. that's good, but Well, can, can, for for instance, if you got married <laughs> and your spouse was taken, you would remember the fact that your spouse is missing. Oh, okay. So spouse amnesia is what constitutes four-eye energy. Four-eye energy is like if your spouse is missing and you're like, but the hieroglyphs on the wall. (laughs) That's four-eyes energy. So like he had it coming. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wow. It's true. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Um, In another character moment, Sam gives Jack credit for an idea and that he didn't he kind of sort of had basically he said something that gave her an idea but she credited it to him and i'm like you're just being really supportive <laughs> that's so sweet because they're in love yeah she's just supporting her boo you know as she should 
<laughs> I have in my notes, Daniel has a way of manipulating people, but I don't remember specifically what that's in reference to. Was it the dead Apophis stuff? Maybe. Like when they had the guy in the infirmary? I guess. I really don't remember. He can be very convincing when he wants to be, though. That he can. So yeah, they have to take one of these kids back to the SGC and show them footage of Apophis dying in order to convince them that Apophis is actually dead. I need everybody listening to know that I also needed this episode to convince me that Apophis is dead because Apophis's death was in, I put in my notes, such a wet fart moment where like <laughs> it happened and I saw it happen and I'm like, but not really though. Right. Yeah. Cause it, it the problem with this show and I'm going to get into it with the next episode too, is when major characters die there is so little impact. Mm-hmm. The editing doesn't indicate it's a big moment. The music doesn't indicate it's a big moment. Like nothing about it. And maybe I'm just kind of stuck in like, what's the word for it? Like prestige media where it's not like 26 episode seasons, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 10 seasons long. Maybe I'm just stuck in that headspace. But then as I was thinking that, that maybe that was my problem with it. I realized like ER is my favorite show or one of my favorite shows and they make the big deaths land. If something big is happening, the editing indicates that it's big. The music indicates it's big. The characters react to it in a way that tells you like this is not going to reset at the end of 45 minutes. Yeah. And Stargate doesn't do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like Apophis dying carries the same visual and audio weight as like the villain of the week. Right. Like, well, this is the guy we've been chasing for the last like, 40 episodes so i feel like it needs to hit with a bit more oomph so i needed them to show this video of apophis dying to be like look he's dead and they're like he's dead and i'm like okay i guess i guess he's dead then (laughs) rant over oh i understand you're valid you have valid points i guess like I, I, I'm a little bit surprised that they all believed it so quickly. I because, was too. I put in my notes that was easy. Yeah, so they use the video of Apophis dying and they combine it with this gold technology. I don't remember what the device is called. But, oh, Vocuum, right? Because Jack called it a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> I love my little idiot. Um, so they put the video onto the vocuum so that everybody can see it, but it's just like, you know, maybe 15 seconds of video and then they all just accept that he's dead. I'm like that. I'm surprised they didn't protest more like, you know, Hey, he looks funny in that video because he's so much older looking and, you know, I mean, just they've believed that their entire lives that he is that there's no possibility for him to ever die. That it's that gods are incapable of dying. And then one little 15 second video and they believe it and go home. Yes. I find that. I also found that very difficult to believe. Um, I think part of it, but not all of it, is informed by like, the fact that like nowadays, if you tell somebody who has this rigid a belief that what they mm-hmm. believe is wrong, they're going to quadruple down on the fact that no, in fact, they're correct. You're a conspiracy. That's fake. 
and just really just go the other way with it. Yeah. I understand conspiracies are not a new thing. So obviously it would make sense for it to happen there, but I feel like they just needed like a TV write write off excuse for like how we can move this forward. And they're like, look, video evidence. And they're like, video evidence. Yeah. And that's the end of that. It kind of makes me wonder if there's still a hint of doubt in their minds, but they're going to go back to their home planet and talk to the people there and be like, hey, is this something that you've heard too? Because they've been on this particular planet training for months at least, if not years. So they haven't had any contact with the outside world. So if they go home, maybe their families are like, yeah, well, we've heard the same thing. So it must be true. You know, or the opposite, maybe their families haven't heard of it and they're like, well, no, we're not sure, you know. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's tricksy. Yeah. That's just one of those plot elements you have to go with, I guess. Yeah. I thought a really depressing part of this episode was that they were able to copy so much from the SGC because they had captured SG-11 like nine months before or something and tortured them (laughs) to get the information out of them i'm like wow that got dark but like everything else on the show it's like whoa that's a dark implication and they're like anyway moving on yeah because they reveal that after they the jaffa that were in charge got all the information they needed from sg11 they strung them up and killed them i'm like oh okay I mean, now I guess at least the SGC can tell the families what happened to them instead of them just being MIA. But yeah, that got really dark. (laughs) Yeah. I almost feel like in situations like that, it maybe would have benefited from having, you know, even just like 30 seconds showing some kind of memorial for the team, you know? Yeah. Just to show that the SGC, you know, cares about its team members because it was like the like SG one kind of knew vaguely that SG eleven had gone missing, but didn't seem super concerned about it necessarily. So I'm like, this seems to be like a lack of empathy going on here. It's a very insular organization. Yeah. Very not my monkeys, not my circus. Yeah, and even like when SG-1 first got there and they were trying to identify who this SG team was and like looking at them from afar with binoculars and not recognizing any of the men, I was like, so is the SGC now big enough that you don't know all of the people on the SG teams? You know, because I thought at this point that there were only about 12 teams. So I would think that, I mean, you wouldn't have a close personal relationship with everybody. But I would think that you would at least be able to recognize people on site. You know? Unless you just don't overlap and you only know people by name. I guess, but I would just think that at some point you would overlap with people like in the cafeteria. You know, or... SG1 doesn't talk to anybody else. I guess they're just so busy doing their SG1 thing. They're just too busy not remembering spouses. (laughs) Look, this is on my mind this week. I can tell. 
It's mostly just Daniel that doesn't remember his spouse. Still. <laughs> I think that's everything I have to say about that episode. All right. Let's move on. I got lots to say about the next one. Okay. In the next episode, Forever in a Day, we see Shari for the last time. And uh, yeah, there's lots of feelings. <laughs> Basically, the entire episode was a fever dream for Daniel. And the whole thing is happening in the span of 10 seconds. Yeah. Possibly less <laughs> while Sheree is trying to kill him with the little Thanos glove thingy. <laughs> I forgot the name. The ribbon device. Um, yeah, with that. So as she's got a beamed at his head, this entire episode takes place with her like in his head, trying mm-hmm. to instill the next mission in him, which is like to find the boy, find the boy yeah. or the child. I don't remember what they said. It was one or the other. The boy. Possibly yeah. both. Here's my pettiest complaint. And then we're going to get into the real ones. Possessed Sheree on the field in Vancouver in her little war tent. Got the whole costume. She's got curly, mm-hmm. curly hair. Like it's like my hair. But in all of Daniel's dream scenarios, she had time to get a blowout. <laughs> it's like, like a hundred percent like blow dried with a brush, like the nineties, yeah. two thousands texture. I'm like, when did you have time for this charade? It's a dream, Arzu. <laughs> but Daniel proof that Daniel never really <laughs> saw his wife because he's making her look very Eurocentric. And I'm like, Daniel, <laughs> that's racist. So well, there is an explanation for her, why her hair looked a bit different here than it what did in the very first episode of season What's the one. So yeah, I just watched an interview with Dial the Gate with this actress, Vaitiare Hirshan. And so in the Children of the Gods episodes, you know, episode one, they had her with a wig because they her hair was like shoulder length and they really wanted it to be like really long and poofy and permed out and by the time they got around to like season two and season three that those episodes she had grown her hair out a bit and they realized that her hair was actually like her hair was very voluminous on its own and they didn't really they didn't need to give her a wig okay but the thing is is like actually her hair her episode one hair versus her like war tent hair in this episode looks different in that the curl quality looks different but like that's the kind of thing that like a nice moisturizer will do yeah it's the difference between the curls when she's in the headdress which is like tight Mm -hmm. like you know specific like b type curl or type Mm -hmm. two curl i don't remember which one it is i just know where i'm at um it's like a you know a proper curl and then in all of daniel's dream scenarios it's blow dried like wavy yeah it's straight well not yeah. straight straight but it's like blow dried like the curls yeah. are gone it's just the volume and like i can see this in like the parts of the dream where she's like no i'm alive and yeah. like all the fantasies like he's having like that they're in bed or whatever like fine but when they're like sheree is dead in his head and then they take her to like take him to like see the body in the morgue i'm like did somebody blow dry her hair before putting her on the slab <laughs> like when does she have time to get her hair done maybe it's normally that way and then when she was in the special get up as eminette they curled her hair to go with but that it's not look. because her hair was curly in the movie yeah but that doesn't mean that the actress's hair is curly right 
but that's your job as a director as a script coordinator as like the consistency yeah. people have to make sure that like looks the same and i understand that like curls like mine are an absolute nightmare for consistency because you know that if yeah, your hair is not feeling the vibe that day yeah. that it looks like somebody else's hair yeah i know that but so if her hair was like blow dried the whole episode Mm -hmm. that's one thing it's just why is it curly in that one scene and not curly anywhere else if it was that much of a problem i know this is such a small thing to be upset <laughs> about but this like, is something I, us curly girls get upset about because we both have curly hairs we have big feelings <laughs> i have not recovered from the psychological damage that the first princess diaries did to me so <laughs> i was thinking too of outlander where she brushes her hair <laughs> God. <laughs> you can tell a curly girl did not direct that. No, you you just know that she has naturally straight hair because that's not that's, no, just stop. Stop brushing it. Anyway. <laughs> so this episode, Sheree dies, which yeah. I really did think was coming. Yeah. I feel like I, I knew she was You guessed that last week. You're like, Sheree's gonna die, isn't she? <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't think that I, she, the writing was on the wall for her. Like the show yep. clearly didn't care. Um, they were more interested in what the storytelling potential of a fetch quest than like the actual implications of one of their team members spouses yeah. being missing, being possessed, being like, you know, forcibly impregnated, like a lot of really horrific stuff happening. Yep. And they didn't seem particularly interested in the implications of that. So I'm like, okay, they're, they're realizing they've written themselves into a very traumatic corner and they're just yes. going to like, start sweeping that under the rug and so it happened this week yep uh, yep <laughs> they got a new fetch quest in the form of a revered child who is therefore not going to be abused in the way Sheree was and they still get to have their fetch quest so yeah I almost wonder if they wanted to end her story so that they wouldn't have to deal with the trauma of you know, like, if they were able to get Emma out of her so she could be Sharae properly again, you know, and, like, having to deal with the implications of that. They just I just don't think they wanted it. to do it. Which, yeah, on the one hand, sucks. But on the other hand, I'm kind of relieved they knew their limitations. Yeah. Because that could have gone real bad. Yeah. They've already <laughs> been very questionable anyway. <laughs> so better to just end it so i wrote down a couple of quotes of daniel's oh boy to drag him with <laughs> so when he and sheree are reunited in the dream scenario and he's like there's so many things i want to say and then he just never says anything i'm like is it because you thought you should say that and didn't actually have anything to say to her <laughs> possibly and then when he realizes she's dead in this dream scenario uh -huh. and he decides to leave the SGC, they're trying to get him to like stay and, you know, keep going on missions with us and whatever. And he's like, but there's no point because now we're not looking for Sheree anymore because Sheree is dead. And then he says, every time I set foot through that gate, I was thinking about my wife. And I'm like, I call bullshit. That is like <laughs> the most untrue thing I have ever heard anybody say ever. And I've been on some dates, man, let me tell you. And that is still <laughs> the most untrue thing I've ever heard a man say ever. Like, he was not thinking about her once. Uh -huh. 
Then I realized what my problem with all this was. And as much as as much fun as it is to drag him, and I apologize to our listeners, I promise this is probably the last week I'm going to have this much material with which to drag Daniel Jackson <laughs> about his marriage. The problem for me with this episode is they're trying so hard, so hard to convince me that he has experienced this loss, mm-hmm. that he's been missing her, yeah. that it's like this this piece of him that's obviously affected him so deeply he can't even go to the SGC anymore. I'm like, but none of the last 50 plus episodes have reinforced this idea. Right. So like you have suddenly decided it's important to Daniel, but like it wasn't important to Daniel before. Like if you weren't talking about this show week to week, like we are, and you were just watching it each week on TV, you would be forgiven for forgetting that the reason they set out on the first place on this mission was because he's looking for his wife. Yeah. If you forgot that, that that would make perfect sense to me. Like, they're trying so hard to, like, make you feel something. I'm like, but you didn't want me to feel any of this for the last 50 episodes. So I don't know why you're trying really hard to make me feel it now. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of, like, there are plot points in TV shows, like, not just this show, but, like, any show where you can introduce it and pay off the emotion in a 40-minute window. Mm -hmm. And it's been done successfully, but this kind of thing that affects one of your main characters this severely or it should affect them this severely you cannot introduce set it up and pay it off in a 40 minute window right so that's my frustration with the episode yeah whenever sorry i was saying whenever he said that the first thing that i saw thought of was the episode the torment of tantalus where he is fully willing to die in order to get the information of the four races and there's obviously no thought of Shuri in his mind then because he's he is willing to die to read all the writing on these walls rather than make sure that he makes it back alive to go look for his wife so I mean that's that's what I thought of when he said that I was like "Mm, where is Shuri when you were on this planet (laughs) my thing is like with all of this like He's clearly so upset that he has to leave the, he wants to leave the SGC and he just can't do it anymore and all of that. And I'm like, but I'm not feeling his grief yeah. at the idea that his wife is dead. Like, I just, I'm not feeling it. And I'm like, are they just like, is the actor not conveying it? Is the writing not conveying it? Then I realized the writing didn't care because when you get right to the end of the episode, like jumping ahead, when you go back to like present day and Sheree is beaming into Daniel's head and then Teal walks in and shoots her. She falls down. She's Sheree now. Like, Eminette's gone. She's Sheree. She reaches and she's like, I love you, Daniel. Daniel says nothing back. He doesn't even say, he doesn't say, I love you too. He doesn't say, don't leave me. He like, and I know it's because he knows inevitably that she's going to die. Like, he has made peace with this idea in his head. Mm-hmm. But she's right there like you have your chance to say goodbye you have your chance to tell her you love her Mm -hmm. and you don't i mean he does just kind of stares at her until she dies yeah after she's already dead then he says i love you too but yeah yeah, i don't understand way yeah like why did he wait why didn't he say it immediately because he forgot about (laughs) sheree while she was right in front of him i I have to click and be like which one were you she matters so little to the writers and consequently as like anything beyond a plot device and consequently she matters very little to daniel yeah as written do you want to know something really ironic let's hear it so vitiari and michael shanks were together 
And um, so remember when we saw her in season two and she was pregnant and giving birth? Was that their baby? She was actually pregnant with their Was child. it like their baby though? Well, we she was six months pregnant at the time of filming. No, but like was she pregnant? So, were yeah. they together like that yeah, long? Yeah. Like that's their child she was pregnant with? Yes, yes. They were together for several years. Okay. And that was their pregnancy. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> See that I like. That's cute. But come on, man. <laughs> yeah. This is ironic that it's his actual wife at this time. <laughs> but how how are you not advocating for your character to think about his wife a little bit when it's your actual wife? Right? Oh, Michael Shanks. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they stay together very much longer after this because in because this is like filming in like 1999 I think and in, by 2003 he's dating and marrying somebody else so they don't stay together forever but they do have a daughter that's so funny <laughs> yeah I'll allow it. and the interview I saw with Dial the Gate she was like she actually was okay with Share getting killed off essentially because when she filmed this episode in season three, her her daughter was only like a year old and she was very much like in mom mode. And she was like, I wasn't really wanting to do much acting at the time anyway. She's like, I just wanted just to be home with my daughter. Thankless role. <laughs> yeah, so she, she was okay with not doing any more after this. So, I mean, that's good. I guess, but... Yeah, they kind of did the character dirty and well they they did the actress dirty too because she was talking to you about how in so in the very first episode we talked about how in children of the gods she there's a nude scene and so she talked about that in the interview and it was very much showtime who wanted a nude scene but when she was contracted it was only she was only supposed to be topless and she said that in the moment they asked her to remove the bottom part but said that it wouldn't be in shot and then after it was all cut and it was like getting close to like premiere time, they came to her and asked to change the contract so that they could show the full shot. And she didn't want to, but she felt pressured to. So she seemed kind of resentful of the fact that they forced that upon her. And that's why we cannot stress the importance of intimacy coordinators enough. Yep. Which I feel like hasn't become a thing until like in the past like five years or so, right? Yeah, one of my friends, one of my former roommates is an intimacy coordinator. When she was telling me about it, it was new. Yeah. Like she was taking classes. They were small classes. And she had to like explain what it was to me. Yeah. It was brand new. Yeah. We've needed these for a very long time. <laughs> so, I mean, at least we have them now, but. I feel like they're probably not even used everywhere yet. I feel like it's still kind of a new thing that people are catching on to. Like people like have to make a point of hiring an intimacy yeah. coordinator. It's not a given. Yeah. But I mean, Daniel did show quite a lot of emotion this episode. So none of it revolved around his wife, but I mean, he did <laughs> yes, it did. No, it, he was more upset about leaving the SGC than he was about her leaving this mortal plane. <laughs> like, he was visibly more upset at leaving Jack behind and alive and breathing than he was at, like, Sheree dying in front of him. Like, he was visibly more upset about that. I'm not sure I agree, but you're entitled to your opinion. 
and corrected me. <laughs> and I was thinking when I was watching it too that because like if you could you don't know like that it's a dream right away, mm-hmm. but if you're paying attention, you can tell that it's a dream that Share is still alive because she actually says Daniel rather than Danielle. I'm like, see, it's a dream because she's not saying his name with an accent. Did she just <laughs> slip up maybe? No, because it, it was multiple times. Every time that she was in the dream sequence, she said Daniel. You know what this means? What? Daniel doesn't know his... Okay, you know how they say when you dream about a person, if you dream their voice, you know them well enough for your brain to make up uh-huh. anything that they could possibly say? Like, mm-hmm. if, if you dream their voice properly. Daniel's not even dreaming her voice properly, which means he doesn't know <laughs> her well enough to dream her voice. That's true. <laughs> Just reinforcing my so he's dreaming her voice wrong and he's dreaming her hair wrong. He likes the idea of Shireen, but he doesn't actually (laughs) know her well enough to dream her as she is. He's like, my beautiful wife, but let's just like change your hair and get rid of the accent and the personality. And yeah, my beautiful (laughs) wife. Wow. And then, and then he goes to the funeral and he's all in his, like, cultural appropriation robes. I'm like, you don't, <laughs> you don't care enough about this woman to dress in her traditional cultural garb. You just like the idea. Like, he, dresses, he dresses that way every time he goes to Abydos. He's cosplaying his father-in-law. Like, come on, Daniel. <laughs> Goodness. He, he insisted. Everybody else wore their military uniforms and he's like, yeah. no, no. I have to wear the traditional robes of my people. And they're like, for $5, what are the names of these robes? And he's like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I wonder if, like, to what level your roasting Daniel will chill out after this. I think I have to, like, get it all off my chest because I don't <laughs> think, because I, like, the basis of my roasting of Daniel is how little he cares about his wife and now his wife's yeah. dead. So. Yeah, I don't really have much to go on. Actually, I will be able to continue this into the next episode. Oh yeah, the, beyond that, beyond the next, like after this what week, he does in the next episode is why I wanted it paired with this one. So, <laughs> like, while I'm not going to definitively retire the roasting of Daniel Jackson because we never know when he's going to do something stupid, it's yeah. definitely going to cool down after this week because I don't have a basis for it anymore. Okay, so before before we jump into roasting part three of Daniel, <laughs> um, let's finish up talking about this episode. So I did really appreciate that Shari specifically told Daniel in his dream twice to forgive Teal'c. I was like, that that was really nice. Yeah. That, you know, he recognized that it wasn't Teal'c's fault. Although, to be fair, I totally thought Teal'c could have just tackled her rather than shooting her but yeah (laughs) I'm not sure there's much point in arguing that so I am glad that he forgave Teal'c and he's not like gonna hold a grudge against him and so Shari is trying to pass on this message that he needs to go seek out her son and her son is being kept at Keb so he has to figure out where Keb is exactly what was funny though was that there was one point where he was telling somebody that, oh, he was telling Sam that he thinks that Shari is trying to send him a message. 
But he was like, I'm not sure what. I'm like, she's literally already told you multiple times to go find the boy. So I don't understand why you're still confused. Because he's an idiot. Because <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> it's that easy. But then also, at the end of the episode, we don't really... We don't really see him telling the rest of the team about the boy and Kev. So I guess that happens off screen. Everything on this show happens off screen. Like Sheree, I thought initially had died off screen. And I'm like, yeah, that tracks. No, we actually see her die. I mean, it it was nice to see Sheree one last time. And it's nice to like get all of this wrapped up. And despite her hair inconsistencies, I mean, she's so gorgeous. She looked amazing. Yeah. Just stunning. She will be missed. Do you have anything else about this episode in particular? Nope. Okay, so I specifically wanted the next episode paired with this one because Shari has just died and Daniel goes on a mission and starts flirting with another woman right away. Immediately. And I'm just... (laughs) I feel like, you know, you're maybe a little harsh on Daniel sometimes, but in this case, full roasting on Daniel is totally deserved because your wife just died, my dude. But he's like, here's the problem, because he's like flirting with this lady. I'm just going to call her Kira. He's flirting with Kira. And it's like, oh my God. And then they're like all up in each other's face. Uh And he's like, wait. My wife just died. I'm like, oh, now you care. All of a sudden, for some reason, you remembered you have you had had a wife. And then later in the episode, they're like, I can't remember the name of this person that Kira's supposed to be. Linnea. Linnea. They're like, it's Linnea. And Daniel's like, no, hear me out. She's a good person. I'm like, she was in your lap five minutes ago. I think I know why you want us to hear you out. Right? Like, like and. SG-1 is actually giving him the side eye for most of the episode. They all clearly think that he should not be doing this. Because, like, when they're giggling in the library or whatever, they're all looking at him like, wait. (laughs) Like, they have all experienced loss, the rest of them. They're like, we're not out immediately looking for a replacement for our loss. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, Daniel's got some blonde lady in his lap. And he's like, we should trust her, guys. And they're like, remember the time that she did all this evil stuff? And I'm like, no, but all they all of them do. And then he's like, no, like hear me out. Like he's definitely not thinking with his upper brain, you know? Like, yeah, for sure. And I saw somebody on Twitter say that they think that it was kind of it was filmed in a different order, and this was originally supposed to air either earlier or later in the season. Like, well, it couldn't have been earlier because they specifically me- reference Sharae being dead. But even if it was like a few episodes later, I don't think that would have made it any better. Because then even if it's not immediately the next episode, if it's like a few weeks later, that's still any better. Like if Sharae dies in season three, episode 10, I need my dude to have an, a year of mourning. So we don't see him flirt with another woman until season four, episode 10. You know what I mean? I feel like, yes, I agree. I feel like part of their thing is... Daniel and Sheree have spent more time married but apart than married and together. Yeah. So he's already kind of like mentally over it. It's just like the reality of like there is no Sheree left to look for. Yeah. But like that said, it's so fast. Yeah. Like read the room. Like (laughs) 
just... Well, he's reading some room. He's not reading the room. Yeah. The theme. I have in I my mean, notes, Daniel says one thing that makes sense, but I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't remember. <laughs> don't remember what it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could chalk it up to maybe he's still, like, in shock over Share's death. And after some reflection, he realizes, like, how big of an idiot he was for going after this new woman. You know, I don't know. Like, maybe it just hasn't hit him yet. You know, like he hasn't fully realized that she's gone. I don't know. It's just, it reads as gross. Your wife just died. So the plot of the episode. <laughs> yeah, there's an actual <laughs> plot to this episode. <laughs> yeah. So they go to this planet where nobody remembers who they are. And they're trying to figure out what caused all their memory loss. And also what happened to the children and the elderly. And so it turns out that, okay, so I, apparently I need to remind you who Linnea is. Yes, you do, because I don't know. <laughs> so back in season two, the episode called Prisoners, it was season two, episode three, Prisoners, the SG-1 went to another planet and they there was like this random dude running near the Stargate and they were going to help him. But the dude turned out to be a criminal and they were taken to the prison that was like kind of in underground caves. And there was a, an old woman named Linnea there who was kind of in charge. Like she got the first. Yes, the yes, 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 yes. Okay. I remember now. And she helped them escape using uh, fusion or fission or one of those ones. <laughs> I'm not a chemist. Something I don't like know. That. One of those two. <laughs> and they brought her back to the SGC, discovered that she, you know, is destroyed of worlds and she ended up escaping. So now, now remember. you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So homicidal lady. So Linnea did, ran, did an experiment trying to de-age herself and ended up de-aging the entire planet, I guess, because there's only one community on this planet. It's <laughs> it's like Star Wars. Yes. It is one ecosystem. Yeah. Well, it's like the entire planet. It's like there's a civilization near next to the Stargate and then nothing else on the rest of the planet, basically. That's how it is on every Stargate planet. <laughs> anyway, so all of the elderly people got younger and there are no children because they are all infertile. Which makes me wonder if this whole youth thing is going to help them be fertile again? Maybe they never they answered that. To, they didn't seem to linger on that for too long. No, so it's yeah, it's really unclear whether or not this de aging thing is just giving them another 50 years to live, basically, or if it's actually going to help them continue their population. Like, or are they going to die out a little bit later than they were going to originally because they're infertile? Who knows? Certainly yeah. not me. We don't return to this planet, so we never find out. So it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I did think it was really funny. We were talking a couple episodes about how when Daniel goes around introducing himself as Dr. Jackson, that people just assume that he's a medical doctor. And in this case, the fact that he was a doctor of archaeology was actually super relevant because he's like, well, I studied the past. And it's like, 
Well, that's perfect because we don't remember our past. <laughs> the so one I, time Daniel yeah. was useful. <laughs> this was not the one time that Daniel was useful in my notes, but oh, okay, because that was towards the end of the episode. I just don't remember what it was, but maybe I'll remember when we keep talking about it. Not likely. <laughs> I did think yeah. it was funny when Sam was trying to explain something to Jack and uh-huh. he was just like, no, 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 no. Like, grow <laughs> up. Grow up. Oh, yeah. Because there when no, it was Sam. Yeah, explaining uh, tell- to Jack. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Daniel. Explain to Jack that Kira might be Linnea. <laughs> Jack yeah. just didn't want to hear like, it. La, 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 la. I'm like, how old are you? I feel like he only acts this way in front of Sam, though. Because he loves her. <laughs> And he knows that she won't judge him. I love it. But yeah, I was thinking that both Kira and the other people who come to the SGC are like really impressed by everything that they see in the SGC. I'm like, you know, I feel like it would, it's not hard to impress somebody who has no memory of their past and it also comes from a less advanced planet. Like, probably everything is shiny and new. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that other couple, they were they were cute. They were immediately acting like an old married couple, even though they didn't remember each other. Yeah, I like their characters. They were cute. Oh, I did remember the one thing that Daniel said. Okay. Because it was relevant to sort of like the way my brain got there because they eventually do take all of Kira's memories so that she can't go back uh-huh. to being Linnea. Yeah. But um, she goes up to him and she's like, I feel like you and I knew each other very well. Or yeah. Like that. And he's like, no, we didn't really know each other at all. I'm uh, like, yes, yeah. thank you. Oh my god, <laughs> the bar is in hell. <laughs> and Daniel's like barely clearing it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He he lied and said that they didn't know each other at all. So <laughs> good, good for Daniel. <laughs> but yeah, I do agree that he was only getting defensive about what to do with her because he was attracted to her. Yeah, like he's an idiot. Yeah. We knew that. But there is, there was a certain truth to what he was saying about how she's not Linnea. She doesn't remember that she's Linnea. Yeah. Which they do eventually like come to agree that, that if she can't remember that it's fine. But I mean, they send her back to this planet and I'm just like hoping they're regularly checking in because what if she gets exposed to this drug again and remembers, you know, like, yeah. I mean, if we never see it again, I'm it's probably fine. They keep up on it. Yeah, it's probably fine. I think if she remembered who she was again and caused some more trouble, we probably would have heard about it. When Kira figures out that they think that she's Linnea and she wants to take the antidote to remember who she is, she steals a little testing tray that just has some drops of, um, I don't know, blood, I guess, maybe, and the antidote. And she somehow uses that to restore her memory. But I don't understand how. Because they had to inject a fairly considerable amount directly into a certain artery on the other dude to make it work. And she just has like a few drops of it on a testing tray. So I'm like, did she like lick it off? (laughs) Maybe. Wouldn't put it past her. And then how would that even work? Like, if ordinarily it needs to be injected directly into a specific artery, how does licking a drop of it off of a test tray actually work? How is that effective? I don't know. 
Oh, Kira just woke up and she agrees that it doesn't make any sense. Hi, Kiki. <laughs> She's like, you've been saying my name. Because <laughs> the character's name is Kira and my cat's name is Kira. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I've been hearing you talking about me. She's <laughs> like, I'm not in love with Daniel. I have taste. I'm a lady. Right? <laughs> she has opinions. I did think it was interesting that when Kira did remember that she was Linnea, that she really did feel like she was two different people in one body and she didn't want to be Linnea and she so she wanted to kill herself in order to not become Linnea again. I thought that was really interesting. I mean that that would be very conflicting. To basically have two different personalities and not really being sure if you can control your past urges. Yeah. I almost wonder if that's what it feels like to be schizophrenic. I can't say. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, she finally revealed herself with the all debts have now been paid line. So tisk tisk. <laughs> she forgot that that was her tagline. <laughs> Because she didn't remember the episode either. <laughs> I, so. I did feel like it in this episode that it was a little bit less emotional than the previous one. So it was still like a little bit more like fun and back to the normal adventure of the week after seeing the emotional death of Sheree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the structure was good. It was just when it tried to connect back to Sheree where I'm like, mm. yeah, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, definitely some problems with Daniel's characterization going from one woman to the next. But otherwise, I think it was like a, a fairly solid episode on its own. Yeah, I think so. Okay, anything else about this episode? No. Or any of the other ones? Any final thoughts? No. Do you find anything problematic? I mean, other than Daniel's behavior... <laughs> problematic in terms of aged poorly no I don't <laughs> yeah I don't think anything aged poorly Daniel himself is problematic but that's not yeah that's, a separate that's not question. something that can be fixed with time yeah yeah other than Daniel's behavior I think it holds up for a modern audience too I don't, I don't think there was anything no there wasn't I agree yeah. it holds up Okay, so next week we're going to be taking a quick break from SG-1 to discuss four more episodes of Stargate Infinity. Already? Three. Yeah. I feel like I just recovered from the last one. <laughs> they don't know this, but we took a hiatus. We didn't record for like three weeks. And I feel yeah. like I'm still scarred from the last Anyway. <laughs> You're going to be so relieved when we finally finish. <laughs> it's funny. I'm like dragging this, but I will actually be sad when it's over. <laughs> It's different, you know, I'll, it, it has its faults, but it is extremely different from SG-1, and so I, it's a, it's an interesting contrast, I'll say that. It's cozy in a nostalgic way, but it's also absolutely insane. Yeah, it is bonkers, like, week to week, you never know what to expect. Oh, I mean, you expect certain things, like, certain characters are always racist, certain <laughs> characters, like... <laughs> make weird noises so you know there's some things that are consistent but you know <laughs> casual 
you know, just casual racism. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if y'all need help finding Stargate Infinity online to watch it, let me know and I can help you find it. But if you you can also listen to the episode the podcast episode without watching Infinity if you can't find it, because we will give much more detailed summaries than we normally do. So you can follow along. And we'll be back with SG1 in two weeks for episodes 12 and 13, Jolinar's Memories and The Devil You Know. And I think you're really going to like those episodes, actually. Arzu, okay. So. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a quote from those two episodes for your next guest. Are you ready? Ready. By all means, to hell with us. It's Jack. <laughs> it's Jack. I don't... I'm not sure of the context. I feel like one of them, probably Daniel, has come up with some sort of harebrained scheme for how they're going to deal with the alien of the week. And it either puts the rest of the team in danger or it completely overlooks the rest of the team. So we're like, by all means, to hell with us. Okay. It's like, go do your crazy thing. <laughs> Never mind us. I think that's what it is. Okay. Well, we'll find out next, or in two weeks, we'll find out if you got it right. So that's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate and review wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I am at Arzu D2 everywhere else. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. And we are on YouTube also at the geeky waffle and we're at the geeky and patreon.com slash the geeky waffle indeed and i will be adding some outtakes from the podcast fairly soon i need to finish up i need to redo season one's outtakes <laughs> but Why? I I, well because i didn't start it from the beginning i got the idea like halfway through and so it just wasn't really done very well. So I need to go back and like fix Got it. season one. But season two is done. I'm like, well, I, I can't post season two until I'm done with season one. So it'll be up soon. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.